<laughs> it would be a wolf spot, eh? Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Wolves Fancast, part of a 19 in Football Network. It's me, Rich Hobbs, and I'm joined by the three musketeers. It's Stu, Tom and Jaffo. Big thanks to everyone who's tuning in live on YouTube and everyone who's listening on podcasts. We're, of course, going to talk about the 1-0 win against Spurs and all the fun and lovely drama that's come of it, and also the weekend as a whole, because it's been a pretty good one for Wolves fans. Now, gents, for those who are watching on YouTube, um, I'm a bit of the odd one out, because I got the memo that we were wearing um, zip-ups. I did not get the um, memo that we were going <laughs> official merch tonight. Not sponsored or affiliated in any way? No. Sadly. Yeah, but if you well, want to send us some free stuff, yeah. by all means. Feel free, yeah. Castle, Wolves, and any of the partners. We did Jafo, we did that um sponsor um partnership quiz earlier this year. We're happy to, you know, you know, yeah. work with Tile Choice, Cadbury's, um Caribbean Cruise, you know, name them. We are guns for hire. Five dollars so, is five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I'll spread more rumours about you, though, Stuart. <laughs> There's only rumours are just facts that have not been unearthed. Um, <laughs> well, what we mentioned before in the uh, for the people not in the in the loop, I mentioned that the fact that we've for some reason <laughs> the look on Rich's face, the fact, that, <laughs> the fact that we since we some magical reason are getting games on Saturdays again, so we managed to do in the review shows on Sunday night. And there has been nothing better than heartbeat on a on a Sunday night yeah. since it since it finished. Tom, since you are the young book here, did you ever watch Heartbeat when it was on? No, I usually shut it off. The, the theme tune was banging, so I listened to the theme tune and then shut it off instantly, pretty much. Yeah, you do realise I'm younger than Tom, right? Yeah, but you're not. <laughs> I'm going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not really. <laughs> you want world? You want worldly experienced? Oh, I, 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 have you seen my answers? You're dis- 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 both, you dis- both, both of us here, mate. I was gonna say. You said your phone looks oh. old, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm just not wise. <laughs> you basically, both of you never indulge in the pleasures of Aidan's field, have you? Which is both a problem and a curse. And I'm guessing that, Rich, have you been to the um, Aidan'sfield Arms and had a pint in there? No, I haven't. No. Why? You've been to Whippy enough times. It's literally down the road. I know. I know. And literally, I remember all the marketing material you get when you stay up there about it. But no, I've, I've never, I've never done the tour. Oh, it's amazing. Never, I know. I was going to say, is it worth it? Yeah. I, well, I'm actually not going up to Whippy this year. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm not. No, it is. It's a daisy. For, as a walk in the countryside with a bit of, and you've got Harry Potter people as well. Um, it, it's a, it's a Harry Potter people, yeah, because part of the, 
the, the station in the first film is the same station, the uh, train station that was used there. I was going to say, another bit further forth, you've got Annick and Annick Castle. I like how we had this like, really fucking fantastic Wolves game of the weekend. <laughs> we, we've hit four minutes of talking about what we're wearing. And, um, <laughs> parochial towns of Northern England for a day out. Basically watch ITV3. There you go. There we go. We'll go. Well, I'll tell you what you couldn't watch. Um, at, not quite on ITV, but at three PM at Saturday, unless you were at Molyneux, was Wolves beating Spurs. There we go. We'll put it, reined it back in. Oh, guys, what a day! I mean, yeah, it pretty much had everything for Wolves. Um, it especially a goal, which we're not exactly <laughs> usually uh, what we're usually blessed with. I think the thing that well, you know, we, we like to start with the lineups because you know, chronological order and all that kind of malarkey. I was a little bit confused by the lineup, and I guess my question to pose to you guys is particularly around one player, it's Ryan Eight Nori. Does Lopetegui not rate him or? Is there some tactical plan at place? Because, I don't know, I think that he seems to be quietly slipping down that pecking order left wing back. I think it's more the case of where the hell did Johnny and that performance come from than anything else? Because he's, he's been terrible. But... He's, he stores it up like an energy bar, Stu. Yeah. And like, you'll get three games out of him and either he'll be knackered or he'll mash up his knee but then you won't see him for three to four months and then he'll do that and he'll just be absolute badass Johnny but I think, not, I think... be, not because he was actually playing left wing back though for most of that game where he's actually yeah. good whereas yeah. any other <laughs> full back position he's not <laughs> might just that, be that pure fact yeah that, that is probably the case more than anything else I mean it, it does kind of go back to our the, the curse that we had towards the start of the season and the end of last season as well where None of our fullbacks could last at one game without either collapsing or being replaced. Um, and having three games in a week with when I'm playing the majority of it, you're thinking, well, you understand that. But I didn't, I, I presume that Aiden, because I, I only saw the, the thing, I didn't see the subs at first. I thought Aiden must be injured. Mm. I thought, <laughs> like, Richard, if, if he's not, if Wenner's not started, then surely. Ain't Nuriel coming? It's it's pretty like for like at this point, but to not play him there is unless he is thinking of him in bail light that he is not going to play him unless it's an attacking berth or coming on. I mean, the the other um, idea that I've I've seen circulated and someone on uh, YouTube still with the regular contributor. Big thanks for joining in as per. Um, so it says maybe it's around having Neto in front of him. Who again, slightly surprising start. Um, you know, the you know, both these players who haven't well really featured in the first team, or at least started for a while. And again, it was it was nice to see Neto get that game time. I appreciate and Stu, we have this conversation on a very regular basis. It slightly doesn't matter who you put up front. Um, because you get the same results by, by and large, but I don't know maybe that impacts that you've got Neto's a bit more of a you know 
playing wide left. Johnny likes to come inside and play a little bit inverted. I don't know, but that, that definitely I found I, I found interesting in terms of the lineup. And of course, uh, Diego Costa uh, getting a getting starters uh, well, Jafo. Yeah, I, I was quite happy to see Diego come back in. I know a lot of people probably probably turned on him yesterday a little bit more. I think there'll be more people against seeing Diego uh, being involved because of what probably came across as a, a shit performance from him yesterday. But no, good to see Diego back in. Um, we saw exactly what we've seen from Diego in that, whatever it was, a 20-minute, 15-minute cameo before he, yeah, before we get into that and say, yeah, he injured his knee. He was running, he was pressing, he was doing everything he was doing. His work rate was there, the attitude was there. It just didn't seem like everyone else was on the same page as him. Um, I just didn't think that some of the players who were on the pitch were doing the same thing. It just seemed a little disjointed. Yeah, that first like 10, 15 minutes, I mean, we were very much second best to a lot of it and it kind of felt that, I don't know, like we, we were just kind of com- completely tactically all over the place. We, it, you're completely right, Jafo. You had Costa doing one thing, some of the other forward players doing enough. We didn't kind of know whether to, you know, step to Spurs or drop off them. And we were kind of, you know, man between two bus stops in the opening exchanges. Yeah, totally agree. And it, so it took that sort of injury to galvanise what was the start of the galvanisation. I think I think the true galvanising of, of that that methodology of what Lopetegui wants to do with with um, you know being a high press team and, and getting quick turnovers didn't really change till the second half. But we'll, we'll sort of come into that later. But there seemed to be a bit of a philosophy change, and and I know we'll, we'll talk more about role as as we go on, but. From what we saw from Raul yesterday was probably, I'd, I'd say it now probably his best game since Southampton uh, yeah. away. When he after he come back from his injury, I, I think probably most people would agree with that as well. Yeah, easily, one thousand percent. And yeah, you know, Diego Costa. I think initially, I think I, I described it on Twitter at the time, uh, Stu, that it did feel like Roy Kent in in Ted Lasso, where you know. He gets injured in what turns out to be his final game, and all right, we don't, we don't know the extent of his injury, and I, I might be making mountains out of molehills. But if he has properly done his knee, in which when you look at the replay of how he kind of lands on it, it, it looks quite similar to um, Kladnich's, um injury in terms of in terms of how it happens. So I think probably a lot of people are jumping to it. ACL and whatever. I don't think any of the scans have been been confirmed or whatever just yet. But it it, it almost gave us a bit of a reset point, as Jafo said, where we had Raul on, and I don't kind of know what, but it seemed like the whole the entire setup changed, particularly um, Lamina, uh, Lamina's job changing, which. I, I loved it. I'm sorry, I loved it. Just just going, you know what? Just just man mark Harry Kane. <laughs> if anyone's gonna kick that little fucking arsehole all over the pitch, <laughs> it's him. And he got away with it over and over again. 
And the one time he didn't was the most blatant dive ever. I mean, that's just abusive. And there's, there's no need for that. <laughs> that's for your old comment, that is. That's payback. <laughs> yeah. The problem, the problem was before the Costa injuries, we they just broke our press every single time, like literally knife through butter. Like they, they did, there was no cohesion um, of the press whatsoever. And I think Kane was dropping quite deep to collect it, giving him an extra outlet, you know, for them to to do that. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. It's just a case of just sticking Lamina on him and, and just shutting him down, which he did. I thought he did fantastically well. I mean, he knew, he, you know, you can't do, there's not much you can do wrong, is there, at the moment, Lamina? He can play centre-half. He can mark England's, you know, captain out of the game. And what more can you ask for, really? I mean, I think the thing that I enjoyed was he very clearly revelled in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't know. It, 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 I was trying to think of who it reminded me of in a way, and I, I just couldn't think of a player because he just plays on that edge all the time. And I thought, you know, he was subbed at half time, and I, I understand why Lopetegui did it because I think subbing him off at half time was one of the reasons why we won the match. But him, his points in the first half was one of the reasons why we didn't lose. Mm. Is yeah, that... I think you're right. I think it gave a foundation. I think the fact that we did, albeit I know they they hit the bar in the first half with that free kick, because we'd gone in at nil nil, we had that solid foundation to come out. And mm-hmm. and obviously, what was it turned out to be a fantastic game plan, which was quite shocking at the time to bring Lamina off and, and to swap it round, and was able to be put in place because of what Lopetegui had done with Lamina and Marking Kane for 45 minutes, and it, so give that. That grounded to work from. Yeah, I, I, I just think it was so. It was brave because Lamina's like been just a standout player since his arrival. It could have been quite easy to take off Nunes, um, or you know a, a, another player. But you know there, there were just points. You know after that half an hour mark where Lamina was just playing in the middle of a back three because of you know Kane. I was going to say. I was going to say, he's at least an intelligent footballer if he likes other parts of, 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 of those words, I guess. But I could almost sense that there'll be a point where either he's going to try and get Lamina sent off, which mm, probably he would have liked to have done, um, or he'll have cottoned on after a bit and they, well, they'd have probably tried to exploit the pace of uh, space a bit more than they actually did so it kind of felt like it was to kind of get us through that tricky patch because the first off wasn't completely awful by walls you know that first 15 20 minutes wasn't great and it, but they did sort of build up into the game um as well um player i'm kind of interested in hearing your guys thoughts on chiefly because i did a post about it on twitter and it got lots of um, people with varying viewpoints. This is Mateus Nunes, and I know I know Stu, you're very much like him when he's playing in his right position. Yeah, did... I mean yeah. The, the, the the reaction to that tweet was almost like it was written by every over fifty year old man who doesn't know what pressing means, and it was so ridiculous. <laughs> like I said this to my own 
like my own uncle as well. I mean, he's in his sixties, so you kind of you get the get the vibe. How good would Steve Ball be playing if you put him on the left wing? He probably wouldn't do a very good job, would he? It's the same kind of idea that you're asking someone to play out of position in a role that's not his natural one. And yet, obviously, technically wise, yeah, he's still midfield football or whatever. But he's clearly just doing a job. I don't think he would have been bought if Lopetegui had been here in the summer because he doesn't really fit the system that we've got. And we're clearly not going to be playing with a flat three midfield, which we all thought we might do with Lamina coming in with Neves and but it's just not going to happen. So you're not going to drop Neves. You're not going to drop Lamina because you can't. So you either show him in somewhere else. I mean, we've already talked ad nauseum about how shit all our forwards are. So it makes no difference anyway. He's still, he's still doing a better job than any of them fuckers. So even playing at a position, he's still doing an okay job. His position is in central midfield. So can we really judge him on something that's not his natural game? From my point of view, no. Well, you, you can, but it's not fair. So to, when the amount of vitriol that was coming down at him from a few people yesterday, it was it was outrageous. It was it was like Steve Corica levels are bad. It was like it, I don't understand where why they've got this idea from. And like when he was pulled off at Liverpool, like we we had nothing in midfield as soon as he went off. There was nothing there because no one else was getting hold of the ball and and moving forward with it. We had nothing. If if nothing else, he, at least like Adama does in his own special way. He's a ball carrier. Yeah, he might he might lose a ball quite often, but at least he's trying something different. And we haven't got anyone else doing that. And at Liverpool in the second half, we got screwed because we had no one doing that. And then for all his faults yesterday, I thought yeah, I didn't think he was bad. <laughs> I don't know what people expect. It's like they see the number and think, oh yeah, yeah he's oh, he's one he's wanted by Liverpool. He's got to be he's got to be the best thing. That, but you look at the, that performance that Bruno Fernandes put in today for United in that second half. That was one of the worst midfield performances I've seen for the last twenty years. It was absolutely diabolical. Nothing mm-hmm. will be said about it. I mean, Gary yeah. Neville slagged him off, but nothing will be said. Yet you get someone like Matthias in his first year here. Remember his first season in a different country, different way of playing, out of position, and people are slagging him off like he's like he's a joke. It's just, I mean, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll help you, to be honest, Stu. I'll help you, what, dig yourself out of what people think is a hole, but I don't think it is. I think, personally, yesterday, I thought, at three of them, at half-time, I think the one who should have been hooked was Neves. I thought he was actually the most ineffective yesterday in the first half. I thought that the game passed him by too much. And I think, at at the three of them, he was the one who caused the most issues with not being able to press. I think it's it's hard to get these three, to get Lamina, Neves and Nunes to work in a three is going to be difficult. And I think we need to think about what's going to happen next season because I think we've got to accept Neves is going to go at some point. This summer is going to be as as lightly as ever. So Nunes is the one who's probably more adaptable to moving into what Lopetegui wants to do than Neves is because I I think a few people have said it now whether it is yourself or, or any somebody else, Stu, that Nevers actually slows the game down too quickly. Yeah, and, I said it and on Twitter. If you look at um, the stats between us and Tottenham, um, 
that are out there for how many quick breaks that we do. The amount of actually quick quick breaks that we we do as a team is pathetic, considering the players that we've got. We've got mm. the likes of Pedro Neto, Adama Traore, um, you know, Pedence, who's very, you know, he's not slow. We don't get the ball from back to front very quickly. Um, which is which is what it is, you know. It, breaking the ball wide is great because it progresses yourself up the play, but it slows the play down because then everyone has to move across. There's there's no quick transition between that and then getting it into the box. We don't do that as a team. So I'd be I'd, I'd hate to be a little bit negative after such a glorious win, but I think people getting on the back of Nunes's back, and I'm with you, Stuart. He's a little bit bizarre and and unnecessary rich can you just put put that thing up that because i'll i'll answer that from ian uh ian robbery for the audio so just to, i was gonna say uh for, for for the audio um comment on youtube Stu, can you really defend mateus at this point if he's out of position um but that doesn't make what he's doing okay he's not doing okay giving the ball away like he did yesterday was shit but where did he give the ball away what this is the this is the point how he looks like he gives the ball away more than he does because he's running with the ball the amount of shit passes that go out for a throwing is that giving the ball away i think it is but no one says anything about that because it's accepted it's like the whole thing i had a conversation about it yesterday like we were playing in playing out from the back which is if you can do it do it fine wolves doing it with the players that we've got he's borderline at the minute for me still but you've just got to accept it you just go with it there's method behind it yeah you're going to get screwed sometimes and you're going to get caught like Saad did I don't know we're willfully blind to anything but I'm just saying we've got actual creative players for a change who do something who actually dribble with the football rather than just lump it long or hide and you want him all everyone wants him about the club because he oh because he dribbles, because he he loses the possession. Well, how, how many times has a diamond trial lost possession or fucked up or done something in the last five years and people still sing his name from the rafters every week? Yesterday, deservedly so. But on the whole, that was his 10th Premier League goal for us. 10th? How is that acceptable? It's the whole hypocrisy of the thing that pisses me off. I accept that if you look at him, if you're ranking him on pure ability and his performances over the season, he ain't getting above a six. But at the same time, I'm not going to have a go at him for that when he's been played at position. So, I'm see, but I'm see, but I'm not going to give him give him a pass and say, oh yeah, he's been a nine out of ten with an asterisk and say, yeah, okay, because that's obviously silly. But there's caveats to the argument that he's not as bad as people think he is. The one, no. the one problem he's got is he's not. He couldn't be any different to Matinho. They're completely different players. Mm. We've had years of watching Matinho, who never ever gives the ball away, or at least didn't. You know, in the first few years, absolute class act. But he just did it all from deep and just sprayed it about. Never ran with the ball whatsoever. Now they're watching a different type of midfielder, and you do sometimes have to accept that there are flaws to. To the game, like I, I agree. I don't think he was great. I must admit. I think when Matinho came on, it did make a big difference. Yeah. I think he, he just fit the, the the way the game was going and the system really well. Um, and it and that's how Matinho has to be used now going forward. I actually thought he was okay at Liverpool as well. I don't think he was that bad, mm. but I think he's the player you bring on with twenty five minutes, thirty minutes left. Um, he's not the player to use from the start anymore. So I think we've got to just 
get used to the fact it's 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 got to be it's got to be like this. And maybe he doesn't fit the Lopetegui system yet, but he's, but he's clearly he's clearly got he's clearly got ability. It's um, it's, it's almost think... in a way where he's Matthias is doing the, the dirty work and wearing them down for for Matinho to come on a, and benefit from that in the last 20, 25 minutes because obviously running is not what is possible for him anymore in the standards that he set three years ago. Because he's an old man. <laughs> That's the difference. Like you just said, he didn't give the ball away, but he came to us at what thirty-one. Yeah, he was he was very much the finished finished article, and had played in different leagues all over the world, all over the all over Europe and international football against someone who's relatively young, playing at a position. The whole thing's just mad. But you're right though. There's method in the madness because we're seeing Matinho's best years, well, best performances for years in these last two months. Being used because he's been used properly. Yeah, I think yesterday. I mean, in terms of subs, I think the the last couple of games, I think we've been all a little bit critical of Lopetegui's tweaks, and it's not quite worked out, and it's lost the flow of the game. Whereas yesterday it was the complete opposite. Obviously, you had Jimenez coming on um, just for the half hour mark, um, which we had a marked improvement from that. There was a switch at halftime to 3-5-2, as you said. So Collins comes on for Lamina and then Dharma comes on um, for Neto as as well. And, you know, the, the shape of the team was a bit bizarre because Sarabia almost played a lot closer to um, Jimenez, which helps. We basically didn't play with a left winger for large portions of the game. <laughs> and again, you talk about team... You know, mentioned about Kane it felt like Spurs didn't really kind of pick up on that at all and you know it helped Johnny progress it helped the midfielders progress it helped Sarabia looks a different player second half as well so did Raul having sort you know I think Raul needs to have players near him and and so does the likes of Kuna um as, as well his his link at play you know um 67th minute is where we made our last couple of subs so Matinho comes on for Mateus and Kuna comes on um, for Sarabia, and that was a real turning point, I think, in the game. And we just looked so much more assured in that three-five. In, in that three-five-two, it did almost feel, dare I say, like a lot of people reverted back to type from the from the from the Nuno days in a way that you know, the, you mentioned the likes of Johnny, the likes of Kilman. Semedo never's improved second half as well. Traore seemingly knew his job a bit better. And, and, and Jimenez, he he just looked like the player pre-head injury at one point. I think he had that head away, like he sort of darted across, darted across his man and sort of flashed a header wide. And moments later, you saw him sprinting 70-odd yards back, was it? To, um, to win the ball. And I just thought... Where's his player been? It was like it was like a trigger switched in his head, and he just became that guy again. It it not just his desire. He's, I know when you said it, he needs people around him, but even you look you look for the goal. He hasn't done that for. No, you first said it. He hasn't done that for over a year. Well, we know that he hasn't because of the, the, that stat now. But he hasn't had a turn and shot like that. He hasn't held the ball up like that, other than in fits and starts. And I think it's something 
has happened. Maybe it was the fact that he has been dropped by someone who's on holiday, and and he's then come on to prove a point. Maybe maybe that's all it it needed. That he needed a proper kick up the arse. And yet he's got players to him near him, which helps. And he's got he's got options, which again we didn't have options in the first half hour. <laughs> when that that first half hour, I, I can't remember who who put it in when we had unexpected goals of zero because we didn't have a shot of any kind. That's the uh, first I, half, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's the stats at half time. Yeah, it was 39 percent possession when there was nothing. Even that Spurs, <laughs> they were relatively well contained. We had nothing. There was no out ball. There was no nothing. But then. You have him. Come, you have him come on, and then something happened. Some it, maybe that's all it took—a bit of a rocket. Because everything, we've, everything else has been tried. He's had different partners up front with him. He's had different formations, but different wingers. Nothing's changed, other than yesterday he had to come on for a, a, someone who was half retired a year ago. So maybe that's all it needed. And hopefully it's just it's not just a flash in the pan, and we get something out of this now. And he does the same thing on Sunday. Well, that's yeah. two good games in his last three, isn't it? Because he was mm. good at Fulham as well. It was great yeah. against Liverpool, but not many people were. No, to I, be I fair, think that's so. a right. Fulham's a write-off, wasn't? No, Liverpool was a write-off, wasn't it? Performance was. Yeah, but like you again, too like bad now, does it? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but like the eight muscles, that was that one Adama put in? I mean, Adama put in a good cross, yeah. um, which was nice to see first and foremost. But then he barged his defender out of the way and got off the header at goal, headed it down. Like I can't remember the last time he had a header like that and goal. No, it was a proper. It, it sounds silly when I say it. When, it's, when I say it, it was a proper header, yeah. Like it, it, you know, he made genuine contact with it, and I think it might have actually been. Did he have a similar one against Fulham? About yeah, the eight. one he flicked wide, yeah, yeah, he had one he had flicked wide from quite about, I think it was about the penalty spot, so it's quite far out for a header. But again, it was just like that desire and the bit of movement to and the strength just to push off his man. And you know, it, it was so nice to see. And you know, even Adama coming on and just understanding his assignment. But there's a definite point, I think, maybe it might have been Matinho coming on. slash um, Kuna, where it the, the game turned sort of dramatically to uh, the, the catalyst for me, or the the, the transferred man point for me, should we say, was when Neves started shooting because they realised Fraser Forster was in goal, <laughs> and it was oh, just like the, the volley the volleyball player Fraser Forster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was just like it had about Neves just had about three shots in the space of about five minutes because he was like. Might as well just see what this keeper can do. And we joked about it in the preview show, me, Dan, and um, Dave Edwards. You're like, yeah, just just test him. He doesn't play an awful lot. See what see what he can do. So the first half was really frustrating because of that. And then, you know, we started creating more and more. You had Kuna having a chance as well. I think Matinho was a real fault for a minute. And it was interesting what we were saying earlier about, you know, about what Mateus does and, Matinho can be very safe with his passing a lot of the time. But yesterday, and particularly for a goal, all his passes are really progressive. They are all like forward incisive passes and they're not just, you know, I'll play it off to the, full, the wing back or I'll play it to Nevers. They were really direct and just opened up the pitch. So, you know, when you look back at the goal, yeah, I mean, Jimenez is unlucky um, with his shot. 
Troy Ray gets off a great finish, but Martino's still in the centre of it. But part of me, and this isn't a dig at Troy Ray, I was a little bit gutted that him, that didn't go in by him. And it's just because it was such good, such a good bit of movement and such a good bit of play from him. And it was such a clean strike. I don't know. It, but it was still, yeah, it, I was not expecting that from Madonna Traore. To bring out a bloody scissor kick. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's when he plays best, ain't he? When he plays on instinct and he hasn't got to think. This is what he's, this is yeah. what he's like. Like the the, the 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 goals at Man City, that's the only example that we've got of him having time and not fucking it up. That's the only one. Yeah. A lot of the, all his other goals and his other performances and his brilliant crosses are when it's like instant and he's got. It's almost like he's playing on instinct and he's doing it like that. That was instinctive yesterday, and you could tell it was. He was mobbed that he didn't go cartwheeling away and whatever. Superb, and uh, in a way, I kind of feel better for him because he played very well, and mm. he put a decent performance in for, again for the second time in a few weeks. Which you could say, oh well, this is what happens when you play for a contract. Well, fine, but maybe the thing, same things happening for with Raúl as well. He's playing no, for his future. He's played for his future. So I don't think there's any coincidence that Adama getting more consistency and Raúl getting consistencies happening mm. at the same time can be looked past because the, mm-hmm. you know we know how well they work together how well as a partnership how good they are together so what one playing better is always going to encourage the other one and i think Raul's confidence is always going to build when he sees a player who ad- assisted him for so many you know so many games in, in in you know and so many times starting to play well that he can start to do the things that he was doing before and i think you talking about it earlier the way he's attacking the ball in the box now, he's, he's trying to head the ball. He's trying to beat the defender. You know, he can. He's got the confidence to go and do that now because Adama is starting to get his consistency back a little bit, which is good. Mm-hmm. And that, whether he's playing for a contract or not, I don't really give a fuck because at the end of the day, all I care about is Wolves getting points. And I, I, I do very much doubt that Traore is going to be here next year because what he wants from a contract and what Wolves want to give him are so far between that it's just not going to happen. Um, well, you know, I probably shot myself in the fucking head now for that one. But, um, <laughs> well, you, you, you know, it, as I was saying, it's good. It's it. It's good to see consistency, and, and we'll start seeing results from Roll. And I think we can only see more and more going forward from them pair. No, I, th- I think that's a really, really excellent point, Jafo, because you know, it, 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 you know, we mentioned about that header and. You kind of know what you get from a Dharma Troy cross. It's not going to be a deep swinging, you know, David Beckham esque cross. It's usually a, quite a drilled, fast paced ball, which you need to get in front of a defender for. And and you're right, it that bit of confidence and both of them playing together on form kind of didn't ever happen under Bruno Large in the same way. And you know, I say Lopetegui seems to seems to be kind of working his magic a little bit on those two, um, which yeah, it's it, it's definitely interesting to see. I did see, and I, I I cannot remember who it was, so it's definitely not a personal dig. I'm saying, well, after, after today's game, we're clearly seeing the best of a throw, so let's give him a contract. It, it is one or two games, and. I don't know. I've, I, there is going to be a huge. I find Adama Traore's career at Molyneux fascinating, and 
you know, interesting doing like a big, big retrospective thing on it because it's I can't almost remember a more defi- divisive Wolves player to play for a club for you know a significant period of time and then split a fan base consistently. Like, because usually when you get a player who doesn't, you know, does sort of split fans in terms of who they are or what they do, they don't last long. But he has seen out a five-year contract, is it? Yeah. And you have, it's not even like a kind of George Ellicobi, Malcomara kind of court figure. It's not like that, is it? It's like you're either fully in the trial Ray Love camp or you don't really want him to be here anymore. There's, there's very few people in in the middle. Um, for someone who is, has been a consistent starter for the mass majority of the time, maybe maybe even going back to like someone like Simon Osborne or someone like that, who was a bit divisive for the way, more the way he played than his actual um, performances. But... One, I was going to say, one thing it... it, it it was quite nice to see how happy everyone was for him. And there mm. did seem to like be a genuine happiness for Adama. Because I think he is someone who... I was trying to think of this the other day. I think he is someone who kind of is impacted psychologically in games quite a lot. Because for a player who gets fouled, all, uh, uh, you know, an awful lot, you never see him retaliate. He isn't someone like, let's say, like Jack Green, if you then, you know throws his arms about, but he just kind of revert into his shell and he isn't necessarily that flasher person and player in, in terms of giving a big bravado and what he does. And I don't know, I think when he's happy and really positive, it, it's really nice to see if that yeah. makes sense. And, you know, to actually see him have those, that positive moment and, you know, it not just be like an outpouring of, all the emotion. It was just genuine happiness. And I don't know, that, that that's quite nice to see. And he seems to be doing quite a bit of a PR campaign at the moment in terms of some of his community stuff as well. And it's just nice to see him happy. It was a bit like that was it Brentford before he went to before he went on loan last yeah. year? Yeah. Where the, the disallowed goal where yeah. the whole squad just mobbed him and he went straight over to large as well. And like mm. you could see then, even though he was on his literally on his way out, and we all everyone knew he was on his way out, he was still so loved by everyone else, which is why the amount of times I've slagged him off, I've never put it's never got personal, it's always been about the football. Um, it's 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 one it's a weird one with that because there's been a lot of players who've been proper dickheads, Jamie Awara, who are never gonna get a good word said about him. So it's not just not gonna happen, and rightly so. But Dharma Traore seems a genuinely nice person. So that is, it, it's never going to get personal with him. Yeah, and you, right. you, you, you can see that throughout the whole club and the way everyone reacts to him all the time. Yeah. I think you're right. I think he's just a bit delusional when it comes to his contract negotiations yeah. and how much yeah. money that he thinks yeah. he's worth. <laughs> and, 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 and I think nobody would begrudge him playing well and, and being part of the team if, if, if he got you know that consistency that everyone so you know everyone really really wants Adama to be this consistent amazing player because you know it is that sort of like cult that side of it is like that cult like you say the Elikobi sort of like Mokamara sort of thing that side of his game wanting him to do well he's kind of like a bit like that uh, you know wanting him to perform but 
it, the thing is, they don't match up, and 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 I think Ethan put it in the in the comments about it. You know, he's got more bad games than good, and and that's the problem. Is 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 that we can love him for these magical moments, you know, at Man City away, Fulham uh, when he when he smashed that one at the near post. Um, you know, yesterday will be one of those moments. These magical moments have, have been so fleeting, and I think that's the most worrying and concerning thing about his whole career. And I think he's, I think you said earlier he scored ten goals, ten goals in the five years he's been here. Two goals a season is just, it's just. Any that's other good, player. That's good for our strike force, that is. Really yeah, I mean, you're probably right, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. That, the thing is, that, that performance has come off the back of two poor performances, hasn't it? Liverpool away, he did absolutely nothing and Fulham away, he was poor as well. Um, so, yeah, probably just don't play him for two games and then play him in the one after that and then he should be all right. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's the cla- it's classic, isn't it? It, it? It's not, he had a spell, he had that purple patch, didn't he, in the, um, when it was him, Jota and Raul and, that, and, and, and he was he was great most games, but unfortunately we just haven't seen it enough. Um, and I still think he's got a part to play. I think actually one of the reasons Neto played, it wasn't really rewarding Neto so much. It was like, who do you play? Because you weren't going to play mm. Adama after that, his recent performances or Pedence. Well, so I think, punish yeah. punish Pedence. That's what yeah, well, this is it. I, th- I think Neto got in by default. Not, so that's not nothing against Neto whatsoever. You know, obviously he was ring rusty yesterday and he's going to be, but, um, you know, who else, who else do you play? Kuna obviously wasn't fit. I'll give a shout out to Kuna as well because I did think he, he made a big, he, you know, again, yeah. nothing spectacular, yeah. but he, he definitely, definitely links the play between the midfield and, and the striker. That give and go with um, Raul. I mean, he should have scored that yesterday. I mean, that was the opportunity for a striker yeah. to score. Um, yeah. It was actually you know, quite a poor finish, but his movement was very good. I think, as I say, he runs forward with the ball. He plays with his head up, which I love. Um, and I, I think I think probably him and Raul, you know, with, you know, up top and maybe with Sarabia is probably the, the way forward. Or you play him as a two. You know, if if, mm. if he decides he wants to carry on with the sort of the uh, the Nuno system, let's say. Yeah, I think um, he seems to just make everyone that bit better, Kuna. Mm. Into you say that that link up because it's not just for link up play, is it? As, as you said, Tom, like it's the way he does get his head up and he turns. And he does. He is a direct runner. I think the only thing that's missing, and you could pretty much level with it any forward at Wolves. <sighs> It, it is that finishing element because that the, the chance he had was a big chance. And I think we'd be probably having a slightly different conversation about him and the game um, if we didn't, you know, if it ended nil-nil or whatever. But the movement to get, like, the, the press and the way, because I think it was Matini, like, you had Neves pressing initially, then it was Kuna, and then the ball drops to Matinho, of course, who's got the presence of mind because he's you know, only been on the pitch ten minutes as opposed to seventy to to pick for pass. Um, and every pitch we've not kind of talked about, bearing in mind we kept a clean sheet against the fourth best best team in the league, was for defence and, and and Jose Sar because I think they really held their own throughout it. I mean, I feel sorry for comment commentators with Wolves because they must get sick and tired of hearing you know themselves say. And Craig Dawson clears the ball there because he is just a pissing ball magnet in the box. It's, it's yeah. absolutely super. Just... Again, what mm. a signing. 
like a huge. We've got him and Lamina for ten mil. Yeah, <laughs> so it's, it's just it's, it's ridiculous, and they've transformed the season, obviously mm. along with Lopetegui and whatever. But they they they're massive, both of them. Mm. Um, and it's not it's no coincidence that Samedo's got a lot better since Dawson's been yeah. in because he's on his side, and probably Kilman as well. To be fair, because he's got someone talking him through. I mean, as many faults as Cody has as a, as a defender, his communication was always good, and Kilman always played better when Cody was next to him. And I think it's a similar mantra with, with Dawson. Um, and you can, he's a leader as well. You can tell he's talking everyone through the game. He's, you know, he demands more when he thinks the standards are slipping. Um, he loves a big tackle, which is which is what what you want. Um, he was Colossus again. Love him already. And I think Jose Sars benefited as well because yeah. there's no nerves anymore. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I remember being on here about was it four or five weeks ago, saying that same thing. Like when um, Bentley signed, and it was like, well, it's like a turning point in Sar's career. Well, we obviously know what he can do because of last season. Does he now sort himself out, or do we mosey on through and uh, get a replacement for him in the summer, or do we stick with a decent number two in Bentley, who's gonna, who's got obviously first team experience in the championship? I had no idea which way it would go. I didn't. I, I didn't know either way. But Dawson is is more responsible for that than anything else because, like I said, Tom Smado, he he was he was boo boyed on one target a month ago, two months ago, because he was doing three people's jobs yeah. all the time, especially for crosses coming over from the left hand side that hadn't been cut out. So he was then having to cover for Collins as well, who who was covering for Kilman, who'd gone walkabout because of. Who, the whole thing is a complete joke, and individual players have got scapegoated because we didn't have a leader in defence. Now we've got one. It's no surprise that mm. we've we've conceded what three goals in a, yeah. in two weeks. It's like well, it's it's almost like another way of seeing the, the a modified version of the Jody Craddock song to him at, at Liverpool, which was nice. Um, and he he he's very much like a Jody Craddock figure that he's just coming, no nonsense. A bit Mike Williamson, like we mentioned before as well. No one would say Craig Dawson. You would have Craig Dawson on the back of your shirt. But you couldn't slag anyone off for doing so because he's, he's amazing. And you know what? You look at the state West Ham are in now. And yeah. that that performance against... I know it was against Brighton, whatever, but still, that was the kind of performance that we were putting in at the back before he came here. Yeah, 1,000%. Yeah, we... I mean, we We've weakened them as much as helping ourselves. I mean, yeah, but if you pick one one actual key moment from that game is when Son picked the ball up and was driving down that left-hand side when he hit the underside of the bar. I didn't know at the time, but looking back at watching the, the replay, yeah. is Dawson gets a touch on that. Yeah. yeah. And if he doesn't, Sonny scored. So... Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's these key moments, these, you know, this 5% and... and you know, we can't slag Collins and Kilman off too much because they're both they're both fairly young guys, and and you know they're do, they're doing as best as they can. But Dawson, he is this ready-made defender. He's your last five ten percent, which makes the hell of a difference. Mm. And and you've seen it in key moments, and you've seen it in key moments over and over again. And yeah. he's going to prove to be the icon signing, other than probably Lamine, as you were saying earlier, Tom, of this of that January transfer window. He's he's you cannot put into words the quality and the leadership and and everything that he's brought to this team since he's been here in, in just what is essentially two months. 
But again, that, they, they, these players were picked out by our scouting department ages ago. And yeah. fucking sellers, you know, with thumb up his ass, couldn't get it done. Yeah. Because who knows what the season would have been like if we'd have got him in, you know, early, earlier on. You know. Well, yeah, because Dawson was very heavily linked in the summer, and it was almost waiting for the the dominoes to fall, wasn't it, with Dawson? Because he was clearly wanting to move away from West Ham for for personal reasons, and I think it was yeah. like, I, it was waiting on Leicester to sell somebody or Villa to sell was, someone. Yeah, it was them. the Bednarek deal that, felt yeah, that, that caused it, it all yeah. to fall through. Yeah, and I know potentially it's a sliding door. That could be a huge sliding doors moment. I, I still think would have been would have sliding Dawson moment. Ah, <laughs> <like it>. nice. <laughs> um, but again, even Collins when he came on looked looked assured in in a back three as well. I, I am intrigued to see whether they'll go for a back three and maybe play. I don't know Neves Lamina um, with I don't know maybe even Mateus in there as well, and you know have have Kuna Jimenez Sarabia one or two out of those three at the top. I think it's gonna. I think that it's was gonna be interesting. More circumstance with Tottenham. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think that was one of those times when you see a manager match up for formation yeah. to mm. counter out what Tottenham are doing because Tottenham, Tottenham have been one of the sides who have stuck with the three at the back formation through mm. thick and thin. Whether that's because they've got an Italian manager or not, beggars, beggars, you know, you can't really say, but. That's you've seen that when teams have played Tottenham is that they have gone against them in the same way. They have put three centre-backs in there to try and match their system and nullify what they've, they've tried to do. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it'll be a long-term thing uh, to bring it back in. Although some of the Wolves dads would probably love it because it, oh, it harks back to Nuno. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It I mean, does give an option to shit out a point every now and then, though. Yeah. I yeah. think I think in get, when games need it, it's just not going our way. It does give us a fallback. You know, now we're in a position where, you know, we, we're, we're, we only need to yeah, get the, the occasional point here and there sort of thing. You know, it might give us the opportunity against some of the bigger sides just to try and shut up shop. Yeah, because he did it. Um, not particularly did it his first couple of games as manager, didn't he? he brought on Toti Gomez on the mm. on the hour mark, didn't he? And I don't know may, maybe it was just because it was a bit more of an absolutely switch and whatever. And again, it it's just part of his play, the Lopetegui playbook, isn't it? Sometimes where he knows he can, you know, he he has that ability and that I guess trust and faith in his players to to make these tactical changes and. You know, it feels like four times out of time it's paying off. You know, mentioned a couple of the slap dash results recently, but it's not quite happened. But you know, I, I thought it would probably be a good time to reflect on on Lopetegui and and the impact he's had because when you kind of compare league tables um, to since he's joined, I mean, I think the graphic of I kind of, I I managed to find I think he's been manager for ten games now for Wolves and that you know went off since he joined the club. Off that period alone, we'd be sixth. <laughs> we've cut yeah. off on the first one. I haven't. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, we're is, that, that's bad. That we're actually I was going to say off. if I. Yeah. There we go. There uh, we the, go. Ba- the the YouTube banner was covering the bottom bit. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. We all you know, knew it anyway. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're, we're still. I mean, we're five points outside the relegation zone, I believe, at the moment. If I can go to my next graphic, um, yeah, I mean, again, just we're killing it at the moment. And I, I think, yeah, we, we had a couple of 
poor results and, and frustrating results as much as anything else with um you know the Bournemouth one I think is one which everyone everyone is still carrying a bit of a grudge against but I think if you take that one out there's not an awful lot of complaining to be to be done is there I mean the, the Bournemouth was just this year's it's traditionally there's always one it's, yeah. it's Huddersfield Albion Norwich. Norwich, Norwich, Bournemouth. There's always one awful, terrible rubbish club that messes us up. And we've got we've got one point against Bournemouth all season. Well, yeah. it's to be expected. This is this Wolves eight after all. This this happens. But the fact that even despite that, we still would have been six out of in terms of form since he took over is yeah. roundabout. Which is what I was saying a few weeks ago that. We could go on a run that would get us into Europa League slash Conference League, and people say, "Yeah, but but this is where this squad should be." It's not. A, it's not a joke. This this squad is better than has been showing for a long time under under more runs and someone who lost his mind, which is again no fault of Nuno's fault, just yeah. end of the road. But no, still, think... we deserve to be in the top ten over the course of a season because that's what the squad is. Even though we can't score goals properly, we still we're still more than good enough to be up there. And the fact that we're still proving it week after week, I mean, we could go to Newcastle and, and they're on a pretty poor run of form at the minute. We could go up there and lose two or three; it wouldn't be a surprise. But we could go up there, shoot out a one nil, and then yeah. we'd have tw- twenty points in eleven games. I mean, superb, it's huge. And, and I think. Which not you can't see quite clearly from the graphics that we have got for those watching on YouTube, but um, soccer neophytes on Twitter um, has been updating a post World Cup table, and at the teams in the bottom of eight, Wolves are the only team to have a positive goal difference. We got a plus two, yeah. We're the only only team at the bottom eight to to have come out this with, and that says everything about we need we need to know about what we've just said about Dawson. What we said about Lamina, you know, it's all there to see. And that's the fact we're just not conceding goals. Okay, we're scoring the goals at a slightly better rate, but we're just not conceding them now, which is good. And, and we're not leaking goals at the same rate. No. In that 10 games, we've played City, Liverpool twice, and Tottenham as well. <laughs> yeah. And you're not, and you're not it. And you're not it. Yeah. 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 It's why, when you look at, it, it's why when you look at like the fixtures that are remaining as well. I mean, I, I did a tweet about it and I was kind of curious to kind of get your guys' opinions because it was part of a Twitter corner question where I was sort of like, you look at the games we've got left and, you know, it's Newcastle, Leeds, Forest, Chelsea, Brentford, Leicester, Palace, Brighton, Villa, Manu, Everton, Arsenal. And I know a lot of people to start with were very... You know, at the start of the season, when things were looking ropey and whatever, like you look at the last sort of three games of the season, you're like, Banyu and Arsenal in there. But I think you take those two, you know, you take those last three games out of it, and maybe, all right, you, you, you pull in Brighton as well because they're, they're, they're in good nick. And I don't look at any of those fixtures without going, we can get points in. Envies now, even Chelsea at home, for Pete's sake. I know they're uh, absolute shambles at the moment, and they, they might just about turn it round by the time we play them. But I think my, my sort of prediction was we'd hit the 38, 39, 40 point mark 
by the time we play by the time we played right and so we'll have hit it by palace is that kind of where you guys are sort of seeing Wolves' trajectory i mean you know we're, we're basically we're 10 10 to 12 points away from that at the moment on 27 points so you know i'm sure Stu will go actually you don't need 40 points to survive you barely even need 38 these days 36 actually 33 to be fair for this season so. <laughs> Is it is it really? Yes, yeah, it's, it's really that low. The PPG profit, uh, yeah, PPG yeah. profit. I think something like that on Twitter. I mean, even if you conservatively said it was thirty six, just to make my maths nice and easy, that it's three wins. I mean, that 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 is. Oh, I'm going to kill myself for doing this because it's toxic positivity. We could do that in the next three games. It's. I said that by the by the the first international break of the year, we wouldn't even be talking about relegation anyway, and I'm still sticking by that. Well, I, I, I'm not even thinking about it anymore. We're not going down. It's not even. You look at the state of half the league. It's fucking awful. Well, I was going <laughs> to say, but it's the, not even... we, we said about one of the best things about this weekend, Stu, and it was how pretty much every result went our way um, that needed to. So obviously, Bournemouth. Bottom of the league, go 2 0 up against league leaders, managed to lose. Pal- Palace, who are in really just plummeting at the moment, um, man- managed to lose to Villa, who re- Villa really annoying me. Have they, they on 34 points or something silly? They're, they're, like, I, they were talking about Europe on the radio. Just oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that could be a Villa fan within 10 minutes of any conversation with them mentioning Europe. Um, but, Daz, I mean, Daz was goaded on, though, to be fair. He was, oh, was deliberately, deliberately teeing them up oh. to humiliate the cells. So. I mean, to a point, I cut them off my graphic because they're just, it, it, it is very much these teams in, in that mix now. But you know, West Ham just absolutely abysmal yesterday. Leeds managed to lose. Southampton Leicester in the late kickoff. I was a bit unsure about which way I wanted it to go because you know, do you want to condemn a team or drag another team in it? And you know what? It dra- it it's dragged Leicester right in it all of a sudden. Um, you know, to the fact you know, there's right goal difference this is very superior but we're three points ahead of Leicester now and then Forest and Everton draw so there's been a bit of a status quo changing there and doubt that you know Man United will get dragged into it after being pumped seven but that's a good weekend of fixtures for Wolves but if you're looking at it the other way around we're 13th at the minute same as same points as Palace on 12th by actual logic here, you, you're asking, are five teams below us at this present moment in time all going to have a better running in the last 12 games of the season than we are? It's just not going to happen, is it? That's that's at, at the very least. Yeah, no, not, not on our current mm. form. You, no. you, you know, you, you, you and you look at some of the teams. I mean, I don't know if anyone watched Everton Forest, but that was a championship <laughs> game. That no, was a like... championship game all over. They both look shite, especially Forest. I think Forest might be slap banging it. I mean, um, just look at Forest's goal difference. Yeah, yeah, it, it sticks out like a sore from on minus twenty four compared to, you know, 
the likes of Leicester and you know West Ham, right? They get pumped four 0 but theirs is still you know minus ten compared to everyone else around them, which is why I think West Ham will just about be fine. Um, I mean, curious guys, who do you think your three are going to be for going down at this point? Bournemouth. So. I do think Southampton, but they they've got some kind of weird knack under the milk tray man trying to save them down there, are they? So, um, I mean, who I could, I mean, I could hope for half the league to go. But well, yeah, I was going to say think, that's a frustrating think, thing because I think Bournemouth. I, I see a lot of them go. But... I think Bournemouth are done. Um, I think Forest Forest could very easily blackpool this up. Or haul it up depends. There's been so many examples over the years where you've had a team who's who's come at the blocks who've got themselves mid-table thinking they're okay, and then they're nowhere near okay. And now their brilliant home record has been they couldn't even beat Everton at home. Well, that's not that great then, is it? So it's one they could easily get pulled into it. That's the thing. There's so many of them that I think other than Bournemouth, it could literally be any of them. But yeah, I, think, all, I, don't, I don't think Leicester will get that. I think no. Leicester will be fine. For for mm-hmm. argument's sake, mm-hmm. I, I'd, at this moment in time, I'd say Bournemouth, Forest, yeah, Everton. Why not? Be a laugh, wouldn't he? I, I'm, I'm glad you I'd said Everton. That. I'm glad you said Everton. Even even if you do love Deutsch, I'm glad you said Everton. <laughs> you know, well, they bought they bought him after the window closed, so that's the yeah. caveat there to get my argument out. Yeah, I'd, I'd, rather think... see, I'd rather see Everton get relegated next season. That'd be that'd be more fun. Oh, in that <laughs> brand new stadium. Oh. Yeah, no, they're, not, they're not there. They're, they're not there. there. No, no. So Stu wants Stu wants their first season to be played in the championship. Oh, okay. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it's, would... yeah. it's not going to be finished till December. So, and then they they only give that dispensation to Spurs, obviously because they're a London club, and they, they they'd gone slightly over, hadn't they, because of things that had happened um, to start the season at Wembley. They're not going to do that with Everton. They've got, so they've got another year of goodies yet. I'd like him to see him get relegated in there last year. That'd be nice. I got, I've got nothing against Everton. I just, you know, from Schadenfreude. Oh, <laughs> Definite Schadenfreude, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Leeds will consider themselves very lucky that they picked up a manager as good as they have as well. I think Javi Grazia is is very overlooked as a manager. Um, Watford fans still think he's an incredible, incredible guy. Um, and I think he's going to start seeing some results turn around. It's it's difficult for him because, uh, you know, the way that it was left in, you know, by what is essentially... What's the, what's the guy for the TV show? But he's he's he's, he's basically him, <laughs> yeah. Um, the American guy. He, he he is left Leeds in a bit of a shambles, and and I do follow I follow him on LinkedIn. Weirdly enough, it's a bit of a caveat, a bit of a fucking tangent thought. But he he <laughs> he he posted a LinkedIn that he is a compassionate and loving leader. I'm just like, and this was after he got sacked. I'm just like, what are you? What are you doing? It's very LinkedIn, isn't it? Like? It is. It's like you're supposed to be a football manager. What the fuck are you talking about? There's a time and a place, isn't there? Yeah. Oh no, I've 
I don't know. I think it's going to be it's going to be an interesting winning. I know lots of people are still kind of talking about oh how close it is and stuff like that. But there is still a decent amount of football still to be played, but it would take a absolute peak walls meltdown for us to drop it from here. And I think it just feels like all of a sudden we've we've got our you know our, our ducks in a row now, which is. Which is good to see. A um, couple of questions from Twitter Corner. We've kind of talked about my my bit from the games we're mailing. Um, a question from Matt Guy. Say, uh, he asks, um, if the five subs rule hadn't come in, but we still followed the same arc and got Julian Lopetegui after Arsenal, would we, we, would we be more at risk of going down or would Lopetegui have just adapted to suit? Because, you know, he has been very trigger happy using the five subs compared to when Nuno got the chance to use them, when Bruno got the chance to use them. Um, I mean, personally, I just think he's a, a very good coach. And if he didn't have five chances, he'd back himself with three chances to make changes. It hasn't yeah. always worked, has it? It, it, it? Like In the last couple of weeks, it's gone the other way. Like the subs have made the, made the, the squad progressively worse. Um but I think what it did help with was the fact that our players were so unfit they could more of them could be t- taken off at once and replaced um, in the early days before when we had actual proper medical people in charge. I think that that process would have took a bit longer, so we might not have had as many points as we've got now because of the fitness issues. Um, I think from kind of now onwards. No, we've got a clear run, really. With no, I don't think we've got two games a week, have we? Again, maybe not for a while, at least. No, um, no that shouldn't be a problem now. So I think from now onwards, it wouldn't make a difference. But I think initially, absolutely, I think Matt's kind of sadly spot on there that we, we we've had something that was we were as a club were firmly against has worked in our favour amazingly. I think it's one of them beautifully poetic things that, you know, philosophical things to, to look at. And I mean, in, in any sort of reality, it's, it would have affected every team differently. I think any team at the top has benefited from it because, they, you know, they can utilise more squad players who are of a higher quality. So um, in theory, it shouldn't have made a difference because us being where we are in the table and us being the, the size of club we are, shouldn't have as many players to influence games to bring on. But it's one of those. It's, it's, it's a very difficult question to answer because it's it's very theoretical. But I, I would hope, and then with you, Rich, that he'd, he'd adapt to, to the situation and we'd still be in the same position. No, I agree. I agree. Um, I'd say last, last but not least, um, we, we don't kind of go into all of the um, wish lists, but Links Wolves asks, assuming the following players leave in the summer and we're in the Prem, so like Santino, Nunes, Neves, Podence, Traore, who are you signing to link the defensive midfielders and the forwards? Is there anyone who's on sort of your wish list that you'd like to see Wolves uh, going for in the summer? Alex Scott, straight away. Yeah, That's a good show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He looked brilliant the night against City. Really, yeah, really he's, good. Ever since we were like tenuous linked to him while we in the, 
in the the early days of the um the window in ja- in January, and it's like, oh, will we really? Obviously not. <laughs> not the Bristol City are going to sell their best player at, at that stage, but you think you get him for for under under thirty mil, easy. It's, I, don't, I don't think it's even a question really at that price. I was, I was actually disappointed he played well because I was thinking there's going to be more people. <laughs> he's just he's going to alert more clubs. Um, but yeah, he looked he looked a real player. Um, they'll they'll already have some irons in the fire. I'm pretty sure of that. Um, in regards to linking up the centre, as I say, the the midfield to the forwards, I say Kuna's got you know say a big part to play in that for me. Um, but like I said, they'll already they'll already have a rough idea. I think he's going to raid Madrid for a few of the players, but I think they're mainly, I think he's been linked to Carvajal, hasn't he? Um, for, for, for the right back slot. Um, so there'll be some, there'll be some Spanish players coming in, no doubt. I, I, if I was going to pick one, I, and I think his stock will actually drop between now and the summer is that Amrabat from, um, Fiorentina, who mm. plays for Morocco. He's he's not played well since the World Cup, but I watched I watched him last night. He was good against AFC Milan. He's starting to play well again. Um, he would be the one for me. He, I think he links up the areas of the pitch really well and carries the ball and breaks the thirds. So it, yeah, he'd be the one I pick if you if you get him for 25, 20, 25 million, I think he'd be a great signing. I say because he's someone who really stood out in the World Cup and got linked heavily to a few teams didn't he and i was surprised the move didn't pan out for him in the um in, in january so it'd be interesting i know i think that's been a thing with the world cup in general isn't it that you do sometimes get the world cup tax and a bit of a fluctuation post it but i guess because of it being played at the time of year it was it's given clubs an extra six months to make sure that they're uh i, I don't know that they're, that they're still worth it in, in yeah, a way, certainly like, not a Hamas Rodriguez situation. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, t- time will tell on that. But as I said, it's been a good week for Wolves, um, and and long may it continue um, because we've got. I was going to say another week till our next game, but we will be back uh, to preview the Newcastle game, uh, which is a Sunday half four kickoff, um, which is going to be an absolute great one for anyone travelling up there and really prioritizing uh the away fans of course um big thanks to our sponsors always uh, as always and um shouts out to 90 min football network um make sure you keep up to date with all things wolves fancast at wolves fancast on twitter facebook and instagram and until next time it's goodbye from jafo good night it's goodbye from tom bye wolves fans it's goodbye from Stu. goodbye everyone I was half waiting because you. <laughs> yeah, that's why I smiled because I knew I was going to last, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to put him on edge because he expect me to, expected me to say something ridiculous again. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not today. And it's goodbye for me. See you next time. How? <laughs> <laughs>